You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Yo, this is Doc G, and today we're talking water with Riggs Eckleberry on the Earn and Invest Podcast. Have you ever worried about water? Clean water? Maybe you vaguely heard that there's a global crisis, a shortage. Yet every day you go to the kitchen, press the tap, and voila. Our guest today is not only going to tell you that indeed we have a problem, but he also has a solution. And by the way, for all you investors, water is the new gold. Riggs Eckleberry is the founder and CEO of the water technology company Origin Clear. Origin Clear has developed and licensed an invention that treats industrial and agricultural wastewater worldwide with very little energy and no chemicals. Riggs, welcome to the show. Let's get really blunt here right from the beginning. When will the world run out of clean water? Well, you you might say that it's uh, basically already done so. We have these terrible droughts in, in California happening. There's uh, water disasters happening on a regular basis throughout the world. And only 20% of the world's sewage is actually treated. Now, truly, I mean, developed countries, it's the opposite, right? Most of the water is treated. But in places like Bangladesh and other developing countries, almost none is. A friend of mine operates a company in Puebla, Mexico, and the river there is all colors of the rainbow. So we have a real problem, not so much of completely running out of water, but the water being tainted increasingly. The aquifer is being messed up. Increasingly, you just can't just take water from the tap. We know that. And I like to say that in America, which is relatively okay, the water will not immediately kill you. So (laughs) in other words, you won't get typhoid and dysentery, but you can get long-term disease from, from just drinking the unadulterated tap water. So yes, water is broken and there's a good reason for it. I don't want to go deeply into this, but do you think the water in the US truly isn't safe as it stands today? If you go to the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org, um, there you can put in your zip code and you will find out all the toxins in the water in your particular municipal district. And it is pretty scary. Now, one of the issues is that the federal limits are very generous. You're allowed to have a whole lot of this, that, and the other thing. Whereas EWG puts in the scientific limits and tells you, okay, you know, you're a thousand percent over on arsenic or whatever. So, that's really, there's a disconnect between what uh, official, the official water industry is allowed to do, which is very generous, and what science tells us is healthy for us. So that's, that. now, it's hard to say, Doc, you know, are, are you going to die from that or from eating too much sugar? I mean, <laughs> right. But it's one of the, it's a contributor. I mean, uh, you know, the fact that you're, for example, getting a lot of perhaps, well, arsenic in your, in your system over time is going to have a bad effect on you. Yeah. You know, it always seemed like it was more of a theoretical risk until we had the mishap in Michigan, right, with the lead levels. And all of a sudden, this kind of crisis of clean water became clear to the general populace. It's the biggest question I get asked is, what about Flint, Michigan? And that is... Well, because the the, the, the lead and tainted water got all the way into the, uh, the water heaters and everything. I mean, they, they're going to have to pull everything out. It's... It is a governmental level snafu, but there's things we can do. And here's why we have, we've had the first water revolution was big systems like the famous New York, Delaware system, which 
is vast from the Adirondacks on down and amazing clean water. It really created New York without that. And by the way, there's a little side story about that, which is the first water company in New York was called the Manhattan Company. They were more interested in banking than in water and they became Chase Manhattan. Wow. So, but they didn't take care of the water. Somebody else had to do it later. And sure enough, we New York ended up with superb water. And a lot of that stuff was done right up to World War II. And then since then, we've had almost no infrastructure projects at all. And there's a backlog that by 2025 will be $100 billion a year of underinvestment in our infrastructure. Now, the Biden administration wants to do the uh, uh, water you know, an infrastructure bill, but the water portion is now only $55 billion. It's, it's, it's for some reason, we don't consider water infrastructure. It's the oddest thing, I think, because people take it for granted. So like voters are not going to be freaked out about it, but they do freak out about roads and bridges. So what to do? Because we're not going to catch it up and inflation will destroy any effort to do work about infrastructure. The answer, of course, is decentralization. Right. If businesses, the businesses creating the dirty water treat it themselves, then it takes the load off the central municipality and allows for the current infrastructure to survive. And so more and more we're seeing breweries, animal farms, housing developments, businesses of all kinds start to treat their own water. And they're motivated by the fact that they generally save money because they're being punitively water taxed and they can recycle. America recycles only 1% of its water, Israel 90%. What's the difference? Well, Israel mandates it. America doesn't really care. But if a business ha- you know, did its own water treatment, it can reuse it, even if it's only to wash the equipment, that's the net gain. So it's a very healthy development that's occurring. And of course, we are right in that. Origin Clear, our modular water systems, are, we have these water systems in a box that are perfect for these small businesses. And we're doing very well with that. But we also notice we have this huge backlog of people who want these systems, companies that that are ready to go. And during 2020, when we examined the entire problem with the urgency of COVID, we really found out what the issue was. The core issue behind why this adoption wasn't happening, which I call the second water revolution. Before we get to some of the answers, as I hear you talking about this, I mean, I hear the passion in your voice. How did you develop this interest in water? It's a fascinating question because I was actually um, forced into it in a way. I came out of high tech, early career in, in nonprofit. Then I was in high tech for a couple of decades, longer than that, really. And I got that sort of disruptive sense of getting things done yesterday kind of thing. And then I was crazy enough to uh, think I could be a good CEO and a fund agreed with me even worse. And all of a sudden there I was, but we had launched in 2007, a company then called Origin Oil to create biofuel from algae, completely different space. Very exciting. Loved it. Loved it. I mean, I, I was just, I was on Bloomberg debating Jim Rogers. It was just the best, Right. Everybody loves the the idea of an alternate fuel. And that was fine until the day that fracking arrived and the price of oil dropped from 120 down to, you know, 35. And algae overnight became a science experiment. So as a public company, we had to do something. Closing down was not an option. 
And so that's when we said, you know, what we've developed to harvest algae can just as easily harvest sewage. And so we took the stuff and went pivoted to a new, to new sector with the same technology. And that's when I learned to my dismay that the water industry is very slow changing. It takes 12 to 15 years for a technology to be adopted by the water industry. And there's good reasons, public health, et cetera. I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's very slow moving. And the, the, also the public and the media don't really want to know too much about it. Like, yeah, yeah, water is a big problem, but don't tell me about sewage. So there's a very, very shallow interest in water, despite the fact that people think they care a lot. And so my challenge has been, yes, get traction for my company, build the fundamentals, et cetera. But also, how do we change the water industry in a way that kind of maybe enlists people and gets, gets everybody involved in the problem? And that's, that's what we're calling this, the second water revolution. So when we talk Origin Clear, we're talking about water recycling. Was there ever this idea that maybe we should go the desalination route, right? There's tons of salt water out there, the oceans, the seas. Why recycle as opposed to take what we already have and cleanse it? Well, as President Obama said, it's all the above, right? So desalination is fine. It's highly energy intensive. And currently it's being done with fossil fuels. You think Bitcoin's energy intensive. (laughs) Take a look at desal. Oh, Lord. So it's really profligate. So it's kind of like a short circuit. Like, well, you know what? Well, let's just just take it out of the ocean and, and keep dumping the dirty water. So... There, there are elegant solutions to desalination. You know, one of them actually is a pretty good one. I heard the, you know, a few years ago, which is to pump salt water all the way up the Sierra Nevada into the Mojave Desert and let it percolate, let it percolate, you know, down to Lake Tahoe or whatever, and you'd have fresh water. Uh, cost, cost was just be, be pumping. But all those ideas are great, but let's have the basics in place. Let's clean what we make dirty. Let's treat the wastewater. I mean, come on, that's the fact that we only treat one fifth of the dirty water in this world means four fifths are ending up in lakes, rivers, and oceans. And that, I'm sorry, we live in a goldfish bowl. The water is getting worse and worse. The dolphins are not happy, but we should be unhappy too. I was was a merchant mariner many, many years ago, and I, I saw lots of dirty water. And that was back in the 70s. Since then, it's gotten vastly worse from what I understand. So I think that it's, it, I'm, I'm all in favor of desalination. I think it's, it's important. There's good new stuff happening. But let's not neglect basic husbandry of our environment. So let's talk about Origin Clear itself. Now, from my understanding, some of the largest companies were already into the recyc- water recycling business. Who are Origin Clear's customers? What is the technology you're using? Well, here we come to the reason why there's been slow adoption by these uh, smaller businesses, right? Now, right away, when you start going to the edge, you have a sort of the big water companies, Veolia, American Water Works, and so forth. They like to work with the big projects because it's the same amount of trouble for me to, to do a small city as a brewery. And the small city is you know $8 million or 10, and the brewery is $250,000. So so they, they tend to go for the big stuff. So right away, you have a, a sort of a um, separation and a market opportunity. But here's the big problem. That brewery is in the business of making beer, not cleaning water. It does not have the capital to, to treat that water. It's, it's like, what do I do? What, I don't want to. 
I just want to pay the, my water bill. Can I just pay my water bill? Right. And so that's, we realize, wait a minute, why don't we simply provide metered water? Don't make these people pay up front. We call it water on demand. And now it becomes water as a service. So now you simply uh, sign up with Origin Clear to have your water treated over a 15 year period, let's say, and you pay on the meter. And it'll probably be cheaper than what you could have had for the municipality, even had the municipality been willing to do it. So that is the new era, which is people are very excited about it. We call it outsourced, total outsourced water. Why? Because not only do they pay by the gallon, but we also take care of the filter maintenance. Just the pro- you just don't have a problem. It's, to you, it's just clean water coming in, treated water going out. You're, you're compliant. You can reuse the water to wash down your vats, whatever you want to do. Problem solved. And people love that. So that is the most important thing that's going on right now. And our modular roll-in, roll-out systems are perfect for that. Why? If I'm going to give you, you're the owner of a business, I'm going to give you a water treatment plant on a usage basis and you stop paying, I got to be willing to be able to take it back. So these are repossessable, which is another important thing. So we really think that we have almost complete ownership of this lower segment. There's a few people. Cambrian Innovations is a very good company in the space. They're, they're private. So there's a few players that are playing in the smaller autonomous water treatment system and also making it financed up front. Because the big part about financed up front is, well, where's the money? You have, we have to, so that's what we're doing. We're raising the money and it's going well. We're, that's progressing along. But without capital, you're not going to be able to do this stuff. So fascinating stuff. We feel that this is the big groundswell of you know, autonomous water treatment by local businesses. And that will save water in America and the world, in my opinion. So you've used some words here. Decentralization is one of them. Autonomous is another. And then you said something interesting. You said, if the municipality will treat the water... I mean, as things stand now, don't the municipalities, doesn't the government kind of take care of it for you at the moment? No. Um, for, I call it forced decentralization because increasingly the cities, the share of water, of federal contribution to municipalities has gone from 76% to 9%. They don't have money. You know, Compton started getting brown water and they said, what's going on? And the, and the, the municipal district said, we've asked for 15 years for money and you haven't given it to us. Now the water's brown. Really sorry. So they, so they fired the, the head of the water district. <laughs> but the fact remains, these, they, they don't have the money. The infrastructure is falling apart. Fort Lauderdale has terrible problems. And this, I could tell you a dozen horror stories, but the bottom line is this. Either they will not accept it or they will charge very high rates for it, punitive tax tariff rates. The inflation of water rates far exceeds the, the core inflation index, much, much higher. And so it's, it's become a, a, a cost, just like the rising cost of lumber, it's become a major cost. And so I, there's no problem with demand. There's lots and lots and lots of people want, want this help. This is beneficial. It's going to make things better. It's going to reduce the amount of billions that are going to have to be spent on water infrastructure. It's going to be a whole new world. You know, I like to say that the, the, the high-speed rail in California will never happen, but we will get the self-driving car because we have freeways already, right? So we have already a basic infrastructure. Why biggie it up? Just build it at the edge. 
And municipalities are very happy with that. So what Origin Clear offers is more of a plug and play offering. Is that correct? I mean, for instance, a brewery, would they have to buy any equipment or is it just you bring everything in and they pay that monthly fee for the clean well, water? I'd like to say that they can just pay that monthly fee. But as I say, this is a new initiative. This is what came out for us. COVID, like for many, many businesses, was a reality check. Right around my birthday in early February 2020, we went, oh, my God, because we saw the price of oil crash when Wuhan went dark. And we realized that we really had to figure out something because our we'll sell a brewery a system. We've sold brewery systems and they're very happy, but they have to have the money. That's been our business. It's doing well, but it's not expanding the way it should be. Water companies don't really expand fast because they have this incredibly long capital cycle. We just closed, you know, $5 million worth of business of orders with a major utility. Well, it took us a year to get it and it's going to take another year to, to, to commission it, right? It's like, oh Lord, that is not my idea of a high-tech cycle. But if we move then to, so this is our new thing is, is, is becoming, doing a money, money for money play. And in the process, we're going to be less focused on our own capabilities because we're going to quickly outstrip already our Texas operation. They got, you know, 28 simultaneous projects going on in their one shop and they only have 24 people. So it's, um, it's a lot. And so we quickly outstrip that, but well, since we're a capital play now, we'll give the business to our friends in other water companies and flow these things out. And it becomes more and more of a financial play, which of course leads into this interesting thing I'm doing with cryptocurrency, but I may be getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I, I definitely want to get into the cryptocurrency aspect. Help me understand, be a little more granular. What do you mean when you say this is a capital play? So what you're really trying to do is get people to, as opposed to pay month for month, put a larger bulk of money down for the services. No, it's the opposite. They're currently putting capital. We want to work, we're creating our own capital. And so we have, a, we have a $20 million private placement going on right now to fill a subsidiary that we have that funds these things. Now, until we're, we're good at, at raising enough money to stay you know, in business and to develop things and so forth, but this is a whole new level. And we now have partners who are helping, who are very good, and we're helping us do that. Group called Philanthrope Investors have done wonderful things for us. And so these these new capabilities are enabling us to offer that pay on the meter thing, which is, I think, a game changer. We are talking to Riggs Eckleberry, the CEO of Origin Clear. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. We will be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, 
purposeful cockpit like driving position and award winning Pivi Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Here on Earn and Invest, we often talk about fintech, but specifically, which apps do you use that makes your money easier? Well, I like to send people to Unify Money. Unify Money covers the whole gamut of our financial needs, including savings with high-yield savings accounts, spending, including credit cards, as well as investing. A core part of our long-term financial security and resilience is building an investment portfolio. The earlier we start, the better. And the less we lose in fees, the more money we will make in the long run. Unify Money helps you create a personalized investment portfolio effortlessly and gives you the option to trade actively across both traditional equities as well as stocks, funds, alternative assets, cryptocurrencies, gold, silver coins and bars, you name it. They even have fractional investments in precious metals. Everything you can think of, you can find it at Unify Money. Check them out. Go to earnandinvest.com slash unify. That's earnandinvest.com slash U-N-I-F-I. We are back with Riggs Eckleberry, the CEO of Origin Clear, who says that water is the new gold Tell me about that phrase, water is the new gold. You say that it's the world's only vital, scarce, and recession-proof market. Tell us why. Well, first of all, water is the new gold. We don't claim to be creative. This is a term coined by Fortune magazine and repeated by Market Watch and others. So water is the new gold is the idea that it is becoming, into, in, the new, in this 21st century, is becoming a tradable asset. And we've seen the Chicago Mercantile Exchange now allows option trading of California water rights and is also increasing. There's very good EFTs if you want to invest in water. And it tends to be very stable. You know, uh, year in, year out, water just keeps getting, you know, more and more valuable because it's perhaps less of it, perhaps it's getting dirtier, et cetera. And the more disaster there is, the more problem there is, of course, the better we do in the water industry. So we are definitely ambulance chasers as an industry. <laughs> so that the, that's the background, which is that institutionally water is doing pretty well. The whole, But the new generation of smaller autonomous water systems is generally not, does not have bonds, does not have a EFT. It, it, it's kind of like almost unrecognized. I first wrote my first article about it in 2016 in a water trade, and it's gotten marginally more visible. People recognize it, but still there's no market for it. So number one, in our own space, we are creating capital pools, which return you know, very generously stock warrants in our company, plus a percentage of profits from these use contracts. And, and that is something that you know, we're happy to bring in investors for and accredited or, you know, unfortunately it's about accredited investors or non-US investors. And then to widen that opportunity, of course, that's where I got excited. And I've been working on this since 2018. 
how to do a quote unquote decentralized finance play on water to perhaps take a global, create a global marketplace. One of the problems with water is there's no water market. Water is local. You can't move the water that's in Clearwater to Atlanta. It's, it's not, it needs to be more expensive than that. So it's not. But if you abstract it into a financial vehicle, now you can enable trading. And that starts to become really interesting for people to hedge their water costs and so forth. So when you're talking about extracting it into a global vehicle, then we start talking about cryptocurrency, which I know is something you're interested in. Before we get there, what are the current opportunities for an individual investor? You said that there are some capital opportunities. If I am an accredited investor out there and I'm hearing what you're saying right now and saying, wow, I really want to get in on water, what's out there now? And then we'll talk about cryptocurrency and what you're kind of planning for the future. Well, speaking strictly about us, we, we have private placements that enable us to that enable us to develop all this stuff because we basically had to start from scratch. It's almost like a biotech play in terms of duration. The good news is that we we feel we're at the end of that death march and that we're actually getting some the numbers are starting to kick into gear. So people can invest in Origin Clear. One easy step they can do is I do a weekly Zoom briefing every Thursday night. People just go to that and get the latest briefing. And that has some of the numbers and so forth. So the easy way to do it is to is to just go to our website and uh, sign up for the briefing. But let's talk a little bit uh, wider than Origin Clear. If I were investing in water right now, I, I wouldn't mind investing in Veolia, American Water Works, Evoqua, the big, the big guys. I would invest in an EFT. These are good investments. They're not 10,000%, right? This is the standard, you know, you'll do your 10, 15% a year, which is very good. But, you know, there are opportunities such as ours where we're a penny stock. And I'm not going to say that all penny stocks succeed because far from it. (laughs) But when they do, it has a better rate of return. So it's one of those, don't put all your money into it, but put, you know, put some play money into it, have fun with it, and you could get some good returns. Now, as I read some of your information, I hear you talk. I know part of your dream is that there'll be more of a global water market. And I think that gets us into this issue of cryptocurrency and non-fungible tokens and how that can play into this market. Tell us what you've been working on. Right. So the beauty, of course, I'm talking about water decentralization and the whole crypto world is decentralized finance. It's basically the same thing, but applied to money. The beautiful thing about, and, and people say, well, what's this blockchain thing, crypto? Blockchain is just software. Just say, okay, you know, blockchain is very, very good software that's highly decentralized. It enables it all. Fine. Let's just put that aside. We say cryptocurrency. Why? Crypto because it's secure and currency because it is a money. It is a coin. And we think that increasingly the, the, the world is going to create a coin for each specialized type of asset, right? There'll be, there'll be coins for everything. There already are. There's a very good solar energy coin, for example. So there's, 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 it's worth spending the time and energy to make a coin out of, to represent water with a coin. Now, to make that happen, I started in 2018. It did not work. Why? Number one, we had you know, crypto winter, which was a disaster, and we all kind of like reeled in dismay 
and the smart the smart smart people among us didn't sell. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but the other problem was at the time we didn't have this paper gallon, and therefore we did not have money. We didn't have money attached to the water. In order to be able to have a currency, you got to have a connection between the actual commodity and 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 the money. So this advent of water on demand, water as a service, now enables us to go, okay, guess what? When you invest in water on demand, you will get a predictable return and it can be expressed as a coin, which is really just a little smart contract that says, I'm going to pay Doc G X amount of profits for the next 25 years. And because it's a coin and there's a market, maybe he can sell that for cheaper and get it earlier and all that good stuff. So it creates a market. And, and that's the interesting part about it is, is to encapsulate the actual revenue that's coming from these new breed of, of paper gallon water systems because the, the water and the money are connected and we can do a simple abstraction or packaging of it into a coin. Now, that's very nice, but it's also still elite. It still only helps the investors. There's a second part of it, which I've been working on, which is called Clear Aqua. And Clear Aqua is the coin, the water coin for the world. It is simply a, you join Clearwalk, you don't have to, whatever the rules are, we're still working them out, but you get into the community and you can start to say, hey, guess what? I'm in South Bend, Indiana, and the water's crappy here. Can we do something about it? And then it uses this um, very well-vetted delegate system that coins like EOS and Steemit use to then aggregate and filter these, these community concerns and turn them into proposals and on the other side, we have the financing coin. So it's a, it's a dual token universe. It's moving quickly. By quickly, I mean that we may have something perhaps by the end of the year. Because the good news about crypto these days is a lot of pre-built stuff. There's a lot of white, what we call white label. And if, but if it goes into 22, that's fine. Here's the issue. It's not my core business. I can't afford to let anybody, anybody in my company work on this. I'm strictly doing this with outside advisors. Because for now, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a distraction. But I see it as the way to scale up. Why? Crypto has no boundaries. It's frictionless. A grandmother in Korea can invest in a trailer park in Alabama. So it widely democratizes the water investment process. It eventually creates a world market. And it, more, most importantly of all, it involves everybody. And that's this beauty, beautiful part because people want to feel they're doing something about water. And in the developing world, they've told us, please don't give us free stuff anymore. We want entrepreneurial opportunities. And so that too will help in that area. So as I'm listening to you, I'm trying to pull this all together. It seems to me what you're saying is crypto allows for the buying, selling, trading, and funding of decentralized water in such a way that something like the stock or bond market never could because of the decentralization. So you can invest in, quote unquote, smaller projects in disparate places through crypto, whereas up to this point, all we can really invest in are these incredibly big projects from companies that are public and in the stock market or from bonds or whatever huge vehicles that have already been created. Crypto mm -hmm. really gets lets you be much more granular 
and fund these smaller decentralized projects. Is that is that am I understanding correctly? That's correct. Now it's not to say that over time you couldn't do a similar thing with equities, but it would take twenty or twenty years or more because you would have to establish so much infrastructure. Whereas you know crypto is much lighter that way. You know it's got it, it's got this great intelligence that you can program. I mean, I you know I have a very you know I love the world of crypto because I believe that it's going to be a stabilizing influence on this economy, which is rapidly overheating. We're going to end up with the, the dollar just, I don't know what's going to happen to the dollar, but the saving grace is going to be these stable coins. So I think the world is moving rapidly towards these asset, you know, asset-based cryptocurrencies in order so that we can have some predictability in these industries. And it's going to be 10 years from now, we're going to have hopefully a lot of that going on, whether it's in the building trades or in energy or in water. And as a result, they'll be stable. So it's almost a survival move for, for our industries. And what these cryptos represent is almost like you said, these small payment contracts based on an initial investment. They have to represent, it's like pork bellies. They have to represent an actual valuable thing. Otherwise, and, and that's, you can say Bitcoin doesn't represent anything, but a coin, a water coin would, the investment grade. So there's two, to, remember there's two. The investment grade one, which we call dollar H2O, is, is the one that is like a, a bond. And it's the one that pays you out for your investment. And then on the other side is Clear Aqua, which is pure community coin. It's not intended to be a security. It's basically a kumbaya, kumbaya for water, right? But it's a way for people to push concerns up and have them eventually turn into proposals. So I want to pivot for a moment. You mentioned philanthro investors before. Talk to me a little bit about water philanthropy. What is happening? Is Origin Clear involved in that? It's fascinating because last year when we were starting to to develop this whole concept of water on demand, this gentleman, Ivan Anz, came along to one of my briefings, and he had built a real estate play called Equity and Help into, I think it's number 85 on the Fortune, on the Inc. 5000. So it's incredibly fast growing. And what he managed to do is put a lot of people into houses they could not otherwise afford because they didn't have good credit, because they were broke, whatever. And they were able to buy a house for less than the cost of renting it. So huge. I mean, they're here in Clearwater, in fact, and they're, they're booming. He then said, well, why not? And then he called that concept philanthropic investing because the investors make double-digit returns and they're doing good at the same time. So then he broadened it. He said, well, I want to do something in water. I want to do it in energy, et cetera, et cetera. He comes along to one of my briefings and he goes to, he goes to his CEO, Artie, this guy rigs amazing. He's got he's doing exactly what we want to do. And Artie goes, Yeah. One of his brothers was used to be my son-in-law. So very, so that took care of that. We very quickly got into a relationship. And what they did was they basically leveraged their big real estate investor base and said, started giving them choices, right? Hey, you can you can do a water thing. And that really transformed us. And they are in 19 countries, a lot of them in Latin America. We've gotten investments already from Argentina because we will accept real estate as investments and and we will we'll monetize them ourselves. Well, let me tell you something. People don't mind going, okay, I don't have to go through the trouble of selling this. I'll just go ahead and deed it over and get a bunch of stock and da da da. Yes. Of course it has to be can't be it can't be problematic real estate. It's got to be, you know, good stuff. But it does, you know, it takes months for people to sell real estate and we'll just take it off their hands. So that has been very good. And it's sort of an outgrowth from the philanthropic investors relationship. So yes, we are strongly 
you know, dedicated to water and finance from investing through our partners. I remain a CEO who has to deliver shareholder value. So no question about that, but they have been, you know, a truly strategic partner and it never happens, Doc. It never happens that a partner comes along and does this much. How many frogs do I have to kiss? But there is a prince once in a while. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, what does it take to make a water technology company decide to accept deeded real estate as a form of payment? I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch. Believe me, it, it, it's something that we had to think long and hard. But I have a, an investment banker on payroll who does nothing but do the due diligence on these things, go to the you know, property assessments, work with, the, I mean, because when it gets big enough, we're, we're negotiating for a hotel. And I'm not going to say we're in Florida, but it's here in Florida. It's $12 million. We probably won't sell it. We'll probably just leverage it, right? So that requires having, we're, we're turning more and more into a financial company in a way than a water company. And it's good because, you know, water technology is premature. People know how to clean water. That's not the problem. The problem is applying it. The problem is financing it. So if we can solve the finance part, then everything else follows. We're not selling. We're being a white knight, which is very different. A problem with a lot of businesses and non-business people don't realize this is that being premature is not always good. You think, great, I'm ahead of the pack. But unfortunately, if some of the infrastructure isn't there yet, you end up creating the groundwork for someone else to actually do what you want to do in the future. Technologies we have built in-house have benefited others and all the more power to them. It's, it's part of the game. But really, I think that we're moving fast enough that years and years ago, I was working on a, a product a product for a defunct company now, but it was a software product. And all, this is 1995, and the whole summer we were freaked out that the market leader was going to beat us. We came out with something that destroyed them, fine. Learned later that the whole summer they'd been freaked out about us, right? So you, if, you, if you have enough speed and you execute, you remain the leader. And, and the rest of it, you know what? If we end up sharing stuff, so be it. We're talking with Riggs Eckleberry. He is the founder and CEO of a water technology company, Origin Clear. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is Earn and Invest. Have you been enjoying listening to the Earn and Invest podcast every Monday and Thursday? Well, if so, there is a place you can go 24 7. To continue the conversation, that is the Earn and Invest Facebook group. Go to earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. There we continue the conversations that started in the podcast. We cover everything from current topics to the economy to personal finance. You name it, we discuss it there. We'd love to have you come join in on the conversation and become part of our community. That is earnandinvest.com slash Facebook. We'll see you there. We're back with Riggs Eckleberry, CEO of Origin Clear, who says that water is the new gold. Riggs, let's talk a little more about COVID. I mean, it changed the game. You said it caused you yourself to pivot how has COVID affected not just the supply of fresh water, but also the market that we're in the middle of? 
the marketplace for water has not dramatically changed because of it. We we saw, I'll just take our own division in Texas, which does their manufacturing. And we had a pause when we were literally like everyone else in lockdown and we lost a month there, but it's come back with a vengeance. The big problem we see today is supply chain issues. There's a lot of problems sourcing materials. I think it's related to inflation, but what happened, I think we had a kind of a rubber band effect where things died and then came back and all of a sudden everybody wants everything all at once, right? So inflation is making it so that we literally have to give put deadlines on all our quotes because we'll get screwed otherwise. And number two, we have to be very sure that we can bring the stuff in because that causes delays. And, and then, you know, we end up, our milestones get stretched out and, and then Wall Street says, you know, what's Rick's doing? He's not meeting his revenue targets and everything goes to hell. So that's, that's a sort of a micro situation that relates to the macroeconomics. But the other factor is, as we know, a huge number of entrepreneurs lost their jobs or their businesses in COVID. I'm, mostly thinking of restaurants, but many others. And water industry ha- is going through its own silver tsunami where they're aging out. There's an opportunity for people to move into water. One of my little pet projects is uh, called Waterpreneurs, Water's a Career, and eventually is help people move into the industry. And we have a so, program called the Pool Preserver, which is a machine that that completely purifies a, a pool's water and works very well. And we ran a very good pilot program last year. And the only reason we're not giving it emphasis today is that we have a lot of ready-made customers who already want stuff. But I think there's an opportunity to create a whole entrepreneurial network that does water projects. And I hope to get to that perhaps in 2022. As I hear you talk about waterpreneurs, I think about what kind of background does someone have who wants to go into water? So let's say you've got a college student or a young professional and they're like, Riggs, I hear this. I'm into water. Is there a training? I mean, is, do you have to have a certain professional background or is this just someone who's interested in business? We actually created a whole curriculum around this water as a career thing for the pool preserver program that we piloted last year. And people can look it up in our YouTube archive. And it, it's it's a really good program and it works well. We just ran out of cycles. We just were not able because what we learned was it does take time to get somebody going in the industry. You know, first of all, they have to learn the basics of the technology, like, you know, how to measure percentage of solids and all that stuff, right? How to run the machines, how to maintain them. Number two, they have to learn, perhaps they need to learn more about business, right? And number three they need to know more about online marketing these days. So those three layers is like, whoa, that's a lot of work. It's a whole business of its own. And we just kind of had to park it. It's, it's kind of on the back burner for now. The one big pilot running in Phoenix is doing very well. You know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good marker. And I think it's interesting, but this is a matter of uh, time in the day, right? So it sounds like water has a bright future. Tell me what you think is going to happen to the market in the next 10 years. Well, I think that uh, the water market is going to, first of all, there are going to be more infrastructure projects. There's no question about it. Even though it's being underfunded now, it will be funded because you get these horrible things happening. The water main breaks, you got to do something about it. Fort Lauderdale is a perfect example of that. So the, the, the problem will be addressed too, too little too late, but there will be a lot of infrastructure work for the next 10 years, number one, which 
number two will benefit the big water companies. They will do fine. There's nothing. There's no shade on them. But there will be a growth of companies servicing the small to medium autonomous players that need their own quote unquote water utility, meaning us being putting them on a meter. Leaders like Origin Clear and Cambrian Innovations, which is another great company. Um, there's going to be more of us. We're kind of the pioneers. Hopefully, we're not the MySpace, but <laughs> <laughs> cautionary tale. Sean Gold, my friend Sean Gold, went through that. But you know, it's it's a um, it's an opportunity that is the, the vacuum is going to be filled. But it's going to be much more diverse than just a big bond market, a bunch of stocks, an ETF. It's going to be a whole uh, kaleidoscope of uh, funds people invest in. They'll be you know, they'll be able to invest in water equipment like they can invest in oil wells. And that's going to be really, really interesting. No fears or no thoughts that there will be more actually of centralization that the government will come in and actually try to service these small to middle players? Well, what we can hope for is that they will do something to stimulate the, I'm going to give you a concrete example. In uh, Miami-Dade County, there's over 100,000 septic tanks. Why? Because when they developed that county, they didn't bother with infrastructure. They just went in there with a land rush. Now, all the septic tanks, because the water table is rising, guess what? Poop on the lawns, right? Not a pretty sight. So to give you a concrete example, uh, Miami-Dade County has over 100,000 septic tanks. And why? Because they never built infrastructure in the first place. Now, those are all overflowing and, and failing. And Miami itself has a rising water table because of the climate change that's not happening. And uh, as a result, they got to do something. Well, what they want to do classically, conventionally, is run sewage lines out to all of those locations, which is like a $6 billion pro project that'll turn into a $12 billion project. You mentioned climate change. How do you think that's going to affect the water market? Well, climate change, we know, is creating inequality where... Some areas are experiencing more drought. Some areas are experiencing more rain. It's, it's not a good reallocation. It's, it's generally a, a bad reallocation. Look at what's happening in California, which is going to get worse, right? So what we have is a problem of resource allocation that is going to be you know, affecting a lot. It, it sort of introduces this element of instability. Um, Additionally, we're going to see low-lying places are going to start to flood more, as we saw with Hurricane Sandy. And that is, affects water systems, of course. From my point of view, it just means we have a more urgent mission. That's all it means. I think we, it's a good place to end as we talk about this urgent mission. Many of us vaguely knew this idea that we had an issue with clean water, but certainly didn't understand the business behind it. So you've definitely opened up our eyes. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what's up next in your life. And if people want to learn more, where they can find you on the internet. Well, Doc, to answer your, your last question first, originclear.com is the company. And if people want to go, uh, I invite people to come to my weekly briefing, just go to the CEO section of that site and sign up. I would love to have, we get, you know, 100, 200 people on board every, every week and it's fun. Now, to the, other, to the earlier question is what's next? I mean, are you ever going to stop working? No, right? <laughs> but what I would like to do is, is you know, get, you know, we started this business in 2007. So it's been 14 years. I want to get to a point where investors see a good exit. 
the, the people who stuck with us are up. That's good, but we'd like them to get their exit. And then, you know, I would like to, you know, create more small companies like this that do outsize, you know, mouse, mice that roar, so to speak, but do it on uh, I'm not going to be the CEO anymore. I'm going <laughs> to be Charlie on the speakerphone. Uh, Charlie's Angels. That's me. <laughs> I like that. Charlie on the speakerphone and mice that roar. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Riggs Eckleberry. That's a wrap. Thank you. If you've heard me say this on the podcast once, you've heard me say it a million times. I am generally a long-term index investor. I don't pick stock. I do invest in real estate, but outside of that, I don't do a lot of atypical types of investments. I don't have gold sitting around. I don't do a lot of alternative investing. So you might wonder why I have episodes like the one I had today. Why do an episode on water? In the future, I'm actually doing an episode on uranium and nuclear energy. In the past, I've done episodes on crypto. Why ever, Doc G, you're asking, would you do episodes on these topics? And the reason is I think they're important for a few separate specific reasons. One is... It behooves us to understand what's happening in the marketplace today. We should know about these alternative investments. I mean, what's happening with water is important. What's happening with nuclear is important. And yes, even what's happening in crypto is important, even if I don't want to invest in those things right now myself. We don't know what's going to happen with the markets in the future. We don't know when we may have to pivot to diversify better into some of these alternate investments. We do know that that equities returns are going to be lower over the next few decades. And you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but if that is the case, some of these other types of invest, investments may help us further diversify and increase our returns. There's the other issue of play money. While most of us are going to take 95% of our asset allocation and make it what we would call safe and well-diversified, there is space for us to take the other 5% and do whatever we want with it. And it's a good place to experiment, to go take your money, put it into something you normally wouldn't invest in, study it, learn it, find out about the market, and see what happens. These are small amounts of money we're using. They could have outsized returns, but we'd also accept the fact that maybe the returns will be zero. Maybe we'll lose that 5%. But that's okay, because the idea behind these experiments is, A, they can be fun, just like playing the lottery is fun, although you don't probably think you're going to win. And the other thing is it teaches us about how to study and research different types of investments. So, you may not want to invest in water, but just in the process of learning about it, you're going to learn a lot about the industry, how it works, and how people are investing in it. Same goes for nuclear, same for crypto. Maybe you're interested in gold or other precious metals or coins or collectibles. You know, that's up to you. I think it's relatively okay to explore, to learn, have fun, and diversify because sometimes even a long shot is a form of diversification. So where I'm not I wouldn't put all your money into long shots. Maybe a small percentage of your wealth can be put in these long shots and 
who knows, maybe one or two of them will eventually come in. So I'm going to continue doing these types of episodes here on Earn and Invest so that we can discuss all these ways in which you can invest not just in the market, but in all these different asset classes so we can learn together, explore together, and maybe you'll have a play fund on your own that you can go and take money and put it into something you're passionate about. Either way, I think this is how we earn and invest in our lives and how we stay up to date and savvy about what's happening in the marketplace today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. Cool. Awesome. All right. Now, Doc, um, I know this is, a, this is an audio podcast, but I, I like to take excerpts for that Thursday night briefing. If you would, wouldn't, wouldn't mind sending me yeah. audio, a video. I can send you pieces of the video, et cetera. Is there anything you feel like we didn't get a chance to talk about? I know oh it's my a God, huge it was field. very but... thorough. Wow. I mean, we basically wrote the book. <laughs> good, good. That was my goal. Because, again, I feel like I get one shot to really go into mm-hmm. your brain and learn about these things. And um, it's not something we get to talk about a lot. Certainly not here on my podcast. I mean, we talk about stocks and bonds and real estate and and wealth and financial independence and all these great things. Sure. And to turn the conversation to something like water, again, something we vaguely know there's an issue, but most people don't connect with it directly. Uh, I think it's just a fun conversation. And that's why I decided to, to have you on. Well, I'm so grateful. Thank you. And um the same people that book um, booked me, Command Your Brand, also book Ivan from Financial Investors. So feel free to. Yeah, you know, I've they've they've <clears throat> Equity and Help has has sent me an ad or two. Like I've done some ads for them, I think, in the past. No, but specifically the overarching Financial Investor Investors thing yeah. is now they they decided to do the Command Your Brand uh, podcast booking thing that you got. Got it. Yep. Yep. So uh, Brielle, who booked us, um, I think it was Brielle, uh, will be able to, um, if if you're interested in that, she she's uh, she's looking to book um, philanthropic investors. But anyway, I'll take a look. I really wanted to thank you. A lot of fun. And uh, 